step right up. It's nailed a halo by halo journey through the music of Nine Inch Nails. We're back for side three of the downward spiral. Right, Jess? Right, Blake. Since we're not Sorry. introducing ourselves, we'll just make sure I, to call each other by name. I, I did introduce you. That was me introducing you. Yep. Well, same, in, Blake. Uh, in a clever way. Um, sorry about that weird energy at the beginning. Uh, so we're in the second half of the album mm-hmm. and we have four very, well, three dark tracks and one track that's something else. <laughs> one track that's really beautiful. Three dark and difficult tracks and one track that is your, uh, respite from the hellish hellscape. <laughs> it's your safe album. place. Yes, it's your save space, as I'll discuss. It's where you can recollect yourself before diving into the rest of the album. We're talking about a warm place. Yeah, I'll, we'll get to that. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in, by the way, and staying with us for hours upon hours of downward spiral content. And thanks for all your feedback on it so far. I hope we do a good job with the rest of it. We'll be great. Thank you. Um, where should we start? So we, the next song, the last one we did was The Becoming, which leads into I Do Not Want This, our first track for today. That's right. Track eight on the downward spiral. Ah, right. Mm-hmm. So um, should I, I don't know where to start. I guess I could start with just um, kind of the basics, right? So production is Trent Reznor, engineer on this one was Mulder. And we had a special guest performance on this track. It is Stephen Perkins of Jane's Addiction and Porno for Pyros. And he played the drums. Um, And then later there were treatments that were applied to these drums by Flood and Reznor. So basically what happened with Stephen is he just came in and he laid down some... He laid down... Well, I can tell tell you they they used exactly... (laughs) What sounds like about one measure. Exactly. Looped. Looped. And it never stops. No. For the entirety of this long song. Yes. So in an interview with Guitar World in 94, they, uh, the interviewer asked him, you created many of your drum loops by recording Stephen Perkins live in studio. Is that one way you've retained some humanity? So <laughs> I guess instead of everything being so. They clearly didn't listen to the song very well because <laughs> it kind of just sounds like a drum machine. It really does. If you listen very closely, you can kind of hear the the human kick, although it is quite looped. The snare is so processed and something else is done to it. It's hard, it's not recognizable yeah. as a human-played uh, acoustic snare. We'll talk about that. So yep. Reznor said, yeah, he just played a bunch of beats, re-recorded them, and made loops of his playing. It's a great way to work. <laughs> so <laughs> Well, yeah. okay. Um, and he also said that we ran the drum loops through every effect we had in the studio, the Mutron um, H3000 harmonizers, yeah, a Digitech whammy pedal, Flood and I just went crazy. <laughs> and I'm sure there's more. It so. definitely sounds like a lot of stuff was applied to it, especially toward the end when they just kind of let it all go hog wild. No, no, no pun intended when I said hog. Yeah. <laughs> it's another name for pig. Anyway. So I think on this track, I do want to talk about how I think it maybe has some of uh, Trent's best vocal work on the album, maybe. Hmm. Maybe people will disagree with me. Okay. I don't know. I I say this because it encompasses a lot. Like he 
kind of croons, right? Yes. He screams. He goes. He does his. He does his little speaking bits. Like he kind of. I called it poetry. <laughs> okay. In my clips. He uses almost all of his vocal tricks on this track, I feel like. So um, in his chapter on this track, um, Steiner was talking about Reznor's vocals. And he says, and he's kind of talking about the whole album in general, but I think there's a reason why he put it in this chapter. And I think it's because of what I was talking about. But he says, Reznor achieves vocal extremes uncommon to most albums. His whispers and screaming play with physical and mental distance, which can feel as oppressive as it does intimate, without resorting to volume alone in order to express power or assert dominance over the listener. Yeah. Okay. I can hear that. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, yeah. You kind of get all the, yeah, like you said, you get all the Reznors here. Screaming Reznor, whispering Reznor, um, rapping Reznor. <laughs> Not rapping. More like beat poetry, but you, you get what I mean. I don't even feel like it sounds like beat poetry. You just feel like he's speaking. It, it is. It's, it's, it's speaking. But kind of in a poetic way. You know what I mean? Not really. <laughs> I feel like he's just speaking. But when you speak to music, it's poetry, I think. Okay. So when Taylor Swift stops in the middle of a song and says something, that's that's poetry. That's rapping. Oh, Okay. <laughs> I, yeah. I started to think of an example. Like, I know there's one that aggravates me in, in one of her songs, and I can't Shake think of it. it off. No. I think it's. Um, my my ex no, man, my girlfriend. I'd, no, because I like cheerleader chants and shit. That was pretty good. Uh, No, it's. She it's, does it a lot. It's the song where. Uh, it was on Reputation. It was the first single, and like, there's a phone call. And she's oh, like, yeah. Taylor's dead or whatever. Yeah, I know, but you've heard Red, and she does it a bunch of times on that, too. Oh, whatever. Anyway. So I do not want this. This is like, this may be the weirdest outlier. It's a really good song, but maybe the hardest one of these four that we're doing today to get into. Wait, to get into? Maybe. I don't know. Oh, like, I, I love it. Like, I loved it probably from the first time I heard it. I mean, I never disliked it, um, but it was, it was never in my top faves of the album. Um in the early days and kind of just now getting really deep into it. Am I yeah. realizing how good it actually is? Okay. It didn't come easily to me. Yeah. Well, I always loved the beat, that consistent yeah. beat that is looped throughout the track. And I always loved the piano. I do love that this showcases piano mm-hmm. in the most, one of the most straightforward ways of the whole album. Yes. And I loved that piano. And then I loved a lot of the lyrics in this song. Um, which we can talk about later if we want to, but a yeah. lot of them, whenever you're a young, depressed, angsty teen, are very relatable, uh, especially yes. that chorus. Oh, yeah. Um, but it always, it's something I feel like if you listen to it at a certain time in your life, it can really Mess leave its mark on you. <laughs> okay, yes, and it does. And I, I did listen at that time in my life. And it really did leave its mark in a big, bad way. Yeah. I don't know if it's good or bad. Yeah. The mark, I mean. Maybe we can talk about this when we talk about, when we get into the song and we play it and we talk about it. But the the last stanza of the song that he kind of repeats over and over again. Yeah. What is it? It's, um, is it, I want to know everything. Yeah. I want to be everywhere. Mm-hmm. I want to fuck everyone in the world. Yep. I want to do something that matters. Yes. Yeah. What does that mean? Oof. 
was thinking about this the other day. It's not, we're not supposed to take it literally. Like, Well, uh, Steiner wrote that the narrator wants to exist only at the extremes of existence to want everything, everyone, everywhere. To me, maybe, I don't know if anyone else feels this way, but when I was listening to it when I was young, I felt really trapped. I still feel trapped in some ways, and a lot of it is just lack of resources and lack of time. And so there's a part of me when I was younger that I really, I wanted to be able to read and know and watch and listen to everything. And I wanted to travel and be everywhere all at once. Like there were so many things I wanted to do. And I really wanted to do something that, that mattered that would maybe, because I felt like my life was useless and meaningless and I didn't, I still don't know like my purpose and sometimes still feel that way. But I really wanted to leave like some kind of impact, something to remember, you know, something that people would remember me by maybe forever. Not necessarily like a, not necessarily like a famous person or anything. Uh-huh. I, I just wanted to be able to create something or do something that actually mattered, not just kind of live this, this small existence i guess and i was always so disappointed in myself for not achieving things that i think i should have achieved and i still feel that way like it really hit me during the pandemic too i think i'm still that way very much so um in that i'm not saying i want to do something that matters in the i i want to like i have to be a legend you know i just want to i want to feel like i'm not just um a meaningless piece of shit. Yeah, yeah. I, that I'm just not cranking a wheel meaninglessly for the rest of my. I would like to do something before I die that um, matters at least to me. I don't care if the world knows it, but something that I feel matters. Um, but it's like it's like I don't know if we had the word the term FOMO, but that's <laughs> kind of what this says to me. Like kind of crying out. I wanna, I wanna know everything, be everywhere, fuck everyone. I'm I'm missing out on everything, and mm-hmm. I'm raging against that right now but a lot of it is also through your own doing i mean some of it is obviously like place and time uh and your like i said like your resources Mm -hmm. um i don't know i feel like especially now you know and and people talk about this all the time because we're all i mean most of us are not zillionaires (laughs) most of us work 40 plus hours a week and are barely getting by if you're a zillionaire and you listen (laughs) we want to hear from you (laughs) I mean, you're beating Elon if you're a zillionaire. Hey, so. uh, subscribe at the $20 level, you know. <laughs> you got the zillions. <laughs> but, uh, well, yeah, and I still feel that way as an adult. Because, yeah. like, I, I have to work a job. And then when yeah. I'm off work, I'm fucking exhausted. You know, I... We're podcasting. Well, I'm I'm researching or, you know, this this does take time oh, yeah. um, for us to yeah. put together. We spent almost all evening tonight. Just replaying the songs yeah, and, and watching the Ixies and not just this evening. <laughs> oh no! Like I, I read. You know, I, I research. I record all my notes. I try to organize them. Although sometimes it doesn't seem like I'm organized. That's just because uh, I'm constantly scatterbrained, y'all. I probably, I, I probably have ADD. So whatever. I think people that are listening think you are very organized and put this together very well. That's my two cents. Oh, well, thank you. They they tell us that a lot. So, <laughs> okay. come on. 
Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I just, I still feel this way and it's so frustrating. Like I, you know, sometimes people say, you know, you should travel. You're young. And it's like, Fuck I off. don't have fucking money. Give Seriously. me, give me $10,000 and I'll go to Prague. Traveling you know, like, is like the most expensive thing you can do. Look at plane ticket prices right now. It's it's so expensive. Nuts. Like I get excited. I've only flown twice in my entire life. And the last time was, I think like... 14 years ago. <laughs> like, yeah. it's it's I expensive. And I years. I think I use my income tax return or something to fly to Seattle to visit a Ooh. friend. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, like, who, can, who can afford it? No. And it's and I also just don't have time to do the things I want to do. Like, I'm too tired to read or I'm too tired to watch a movie or I'm too tired to hang out with friends. And it's because I have the fucking grind. Anyway. Yeah. It sucks. I have constant FOMO. <laughs> Yeah, this, so in a way, this is FOMO, the song, or at least the last part is. And we, we might as well talk about lyrically overall, I think. But a lot of it is also maybe just your own state of mind that prevents you from doing things anyway, too, right? Like, yes. if you're in a state of depression, you're not going to want to read or watch movies yeah. or do things that you found pleasurable because they don't give you pleasure anymore. Yes, and you might want two opposite things at the same time, yep. like uh, even though you are depressed and stuck and don't want to leave um uh well okay here's it says right here i stay inside my bed like what what more literal um description of depression do you need i have lived so many lives inside my head uh, yep exactly uh so i still do that i still lay in my bed yeah we both do (laughs) and uh live so many lives all in my head like so yeah everything's happening up here and so it's just all thoughts and no, there's no escaping from that, <laughs> that yeah. bed. Yeah. I mean, uh, there have been days where I call in sick to work and I'm not, well, oh, I mean, yeah. I am sick. I'm mentally sick. Well, yeah. You and know, and, and I, I deserve a day to lay in bed and to. just maybe cry or just stare at the ceiling or rest. I mean, people deserve that. And I'm actually in a very privileged position to be able to do that with my job. I know, yeah, like, I, I never had that ability, you know, until I had this job. It's the most, well, a lot of people in jobs don't get that option at all. And, yeah, mental health yeah. days, like sick days, need to be recognized more. We're actually getting a half mental health day uh, at my job, which is funny. Uh, because I guess they've re- recognized the need to give everyone a mental health day. I was like, thanks for working through two years of a pandemic. But <laughs> here's four us, hours paid yeah, time. Half a day. Cool. They're giving us half a mental health day, mm-hmm. not a nice. full mental health day. So that's that's the kind of scraps we get. Yeah. Um, but I see I do not want this as kind of like the the person's losing their mind a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like the if we're talking about the spiral, right? Um Maybe the album isn't necessarily 100% in order, but this is maybe the stage where you're kind of losing it. Well, it even starts out, I'm losing I'm ground. I'm losing ground, right. You know how this world can beat you down. Um, so there it is right there. And uh, then I'm made of clay. I fear I'm the only one who thinks this way. Yeah, and everybody... That, again, the isolation and depression. Especially you know? when you're very young and first experiencing depression, you don't know anything about it. You're going to think you're the only one who thinks this way. That's textbook. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, of course, it... It spoke to me when I was that young, and it, it definitely sounds like it comes from a younger songwriter uh, writing about experiences with depression. And then, like, the narration, he's losing his mind slowly, and this beat just never stops or lets up. And by the end, he's, he's really lost it, and he's screaming, don't you, tell, don't you tell me how I feel. 
you don't know just how I feel, which I guess is an anger that a depressed person uh, would. And I know this, you know, obviously we probably both do from firsthand experience. Mm -hmm. An anger that you would feel very viscerally because everybody wants to give their uh, their two cents uh, if someone, you know, dares to admit that they're dealing with depression, right? Yeah. They want to tell you how, how you feel and how you can fix it and how easy it is to fix it sometimes. Um, yeah, and that usually just makes us angry rather than fixes anything, you know? Yeah. Does that, does that track at all? Does that sound like a good reading of what the song is saying or no? Or do you have some different, different way of looking at it? No, I, I feel what you're saying. Um, I think it is really someone really in the depths of depression who's grappling and maybe people are starting to notice and reach out and uh. that's why he's, this narrator maybe is, is, is lashing out mm-hmm. or maybe they're giving like maybe some kind of fake sympathy or don't yeah. really know the depths of the pain this person is going through, which I can relate to. I don't think my mom really knew how, uh, the the depths of like my depression when I was a teenager. And then again, during like uh, the beginning pandemic, I felt that all over again. And it was so scary. <laughs> like, yeah, it Bo- really was. The boomers will never know. They have some <laughs> sort of like boomer shield around them that <laughs> will protect them from, I don't know. Mental health. I think yeah. they were just raised with crazy confidence that we never I were. Know. I, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. know what it was. I don't know either. Cause my mom was always the type of person. Like when I went to school, she's like, you know, just take out student loans and, and major in what you want. It won't matter. You're going to get a job because you went to college. And then you'll pay off. And then you'll pay off. Yeah, your loans I mean, with your job. Yeah, like that could ever, like I'd ever get paid enough yeah, to they, ever be able to make a dent in my student loans. They, like I am, no. I haven't even touched the principal we ever. Know, it's we all now interest. know we'll die with him. Oh, um, yeah. Anyway, I can't believe they told us we'd get good jobs with college. <laughs> Can you believe it? Well, here's the thing that sucks is they're the ones who are all in control of all those jobs and all the and the wages yeah. and the money. And because they refuse to die, they mm-hmm. uh they, there are no there's no job left for us. So they won't I mean, die and president's like 900. Sorry, I sound like I'm being ageist right now and I'm, I'm Yeah, I know. I'm it sorry. is and I hate to be that way, but we do have a, a gerontocracy. Anyway, should we just like <clears throat> play the song? And talk over it. Uh, yeah, the only thing I wanted to talk about, and I want to kind of mm-hmm. do a bonus episode about kind of the controversies of this album, including yeah. the lyric controversy that we'll kind of talk about briefly with Big Man with a Gun. But what what would be controversial about that song, <laughs> Big Man with a Gun? I nothing. Don't, I don't understand. Nothing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Nothing. Uh, I think it was too loud. Oh yeah, too, too darn loud. Too loud. Parents were standing outside of teenagers' doors, like shaking their fists, like turn, turn that, that down. down. <laughs> like the music video for they were calling their senators and their state representatives, like my kid is playing this, this song too loud. Senator, it's just too darn loud. <laughs> Senator Dole, it's too loud. <laughs> Bob, Bob Dole's gonna turn your mu- kid's music down. Look, okay, the last thing I'll say about the lyrics. I mean, obviously, the refrain is "I do not want this uh, repeated." Mm-hmm. What does he not want? Just like the the feelings that overwhelm? I don't know. I mean, I... I it depends I, on how you look at it. You know, maybe he doesn't want these sick feelings that are taking over him. Yeah. Or maybe he doesn't want to live in this world anymore. I, I don't know. 
I, I don't know how. I think yeah. people can interpret that it, a yeah. lot of different ways. It could just mean any of. I do not want any of this because mm-hmm. you can in a, the pit of despair. Yeah. You can feel that way. I don't want anything. True. Any of this. This can be everything. One thing about this, the beat that it starts out with, mm-hmm. there's something weird about the way the first beat hits. And I always, this is a big thing in, in Ixie's video about I do not want this. She talked about the rhythmic displacement of not knowing where the downbeat is in this song. And I always, I, I it always gave me big time rhythmic displacement until a little later on. Probably the pre-chorus part that we just heard, and I was like, "Okay, there's the downbeat." I don't know. I Do mean, you feel that way at all about it? It made me feel a little disoriented or discom- discombobulated yeah. or uncertain, which yes. is, I think, the point. Okay, and now that—that that was my other question. So yeah, a little, a little, um, uh, disoriented by the beat at first. And that actually happens two tracks in a row. We'll get to it. But it's like, okay, this this kind of annoyance of not finding the, quote, correct rhythm is happening twice in a row. Is this an accident here? Or I think Trent Reznor does like to fuck with us. I mean, that's clear. We know that by now, right? Mm-hmm. He likes to fuck with a listener. <laughs> Almost out of meanness. Or maybe he's trying to teach us a lesson. Maybe. I don't mean to make such a huge deal of, out of it, but it's the it's the kind of shit that keeps me up at night as a fucking freak who's obsessed with the weird minutia. Anyway, that's a good little scream lyric there. Picture me in my bed screaming along uh, to that, listening that to my it? red discman. Yeah, man. Ooh, red discipline. I love that red discipline. Okay, so the poetry, the speaking. Do you like the speaking? No shrug. Oh, sorry. I mean, it's fine. <laughs> it's a good way to get in uh, more um, content, right. I guess. I think that's what he does when he wants to get more lines in. Mm-hmm. We've seen it in a few songs. We will continue to see it. And then just all of a sudden, just the wall of the loudest, harshest guitar you ever heard. And I love that the beat does not change. Yeah, those high notes. That scream right there. You don't know. We got like weird radio sonar sounds. The weirdest sounds here. I have some of them on the surround tracks so I'll play later. I've got a bunch of good stuff in these tracks, especially this one. It, yeah, so there's a whole noise breakdown here. The song's almost six minutes, and this goes on for a while, the noisy part. I think that's a guitar, but it's just shredded to hell. 
think Steve Perkins was played like a bunch of amazing stuff <laughs> for like a whole whole day. Whole day of recording, yeah. And then he hears this and he's like, you used one measure? <laughs> That's what you took? It's like I did solos. There's, I think he's using that ring modulator on the voice again. That's all over this album. It's so distorted. So you kind of have combinations on the, on this line of him kind of whispering it, speaking it, and later yelling it. Mm-hmm. Get all the different flavors kind of blended. And the bendiest Trent Reznor guitar you ever heard. Right there. Singing into a fan. Did you ever get that? That's what it sounds like. immediately into big man with a gun but we're gonna pause do you want me to do um our sound clips blake's clips corner yes wait let me redo that yes please (laughs) i'm gonna keep in where you say yes or whatever it is you say i was matching my mug kind of oh it's yeah your your mug says yas i know but i don't feel good and so that's how i'm gonna say it and also yas is not like a cool word anymore right i i still use it also, I'm not cool. Mm. Um, I thought it was something that straight people weren't supposed to use anymore. Oh, I don't know about that. Oh, okay. Do we count as straight? I don't know. I'm, I listen to Nine Inch Nails. How straight can I be? I mean, my my sexuality is Nine Inch Nails. I don't know what that means. <laughs> uh, I'm a Trent sexual. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, we're canceled for this one. Mm-hmm. Um, what was I saying? What was I saying? Oh, we're going to go stems. A stems yeah, corner. Blake's but I thought I had stem corner. Oh, Jess feels under the weather. Send her thoughts and prayers, T's and P's. Come on. By the time you hear this, she'll probably be fine. Mm. I probably Which have is COVID. Tomorrow. I probably have COVID. No, she probably caught it. She went to the freaking salon and 30 minutes later is home and is like, I have COVID. And it's like, no, you don't. I don't. F- I suddenly That's just not, didn't feel good. Does it incubate and show up in in? I don't in an hour? know. It I probably do that. also they have no immune system anymore though, because I'm never around so, people. So yeah, I know that's what happens. But any little bug. Like, I got a few bugs at the library that made me feel bad, yeah, but, but it wasn't COVID. It's we not live COVID. in a pandemic. I know, but it's not COVID. But I also went out with a f- couple friends the other night for oh, the first time. Well, that was they probably gave you the COVID. Probably. Dirty, dirty boys. <laughs> uh, anyway, <laughs> so the, I, have, I actually have started putting things in an order that makes sense to me, and I'm happy about that. Yay. So let's see if my little my stuff works here. Um, so, once again, taken from the... 5.1 uh, isolated tracks. I do not want this. The first one I pulled up was the the center speaker. The center and surround speakers combined, we hear just the piano. Cool way to isolate the piano here. Mm-hmm. 
kind of getting just the room tone, the reverb. Isn't that haunting? It really is. That's probably why I like it so much. I love haunted, haunting I wonder if sound. it's, yeah, and there's a lot of that on this mm -hmm. record, obviously. I wonder if that's the room sound of some room in the Tate house or if it's a digital reverb. It sounds very nice, so it could be real, but it's also pretty uh, pretty heavy, so maybe created digitally. Anyway, um, I call this poetry part one. I'm always falling down the same. Also, listeners, Jess, mm -hmm. don't get too horny. Oh, okay. Well, not right. I can't during this song. I'm only going to play that. <laughs> it's true. This is the part where I think this is like the part of the album where you can't get a boner anymore. Like closer is over, and the sexiness is kind of gone from the album. Is does that sound? Oh, accurate? there's no sexy beats. There's no. Re I mean. <sighs> Reptile is about sex, kind of. Everything's about sex. But it, it's, we're, it's so deep into despair because the spiral goes, it only goes downward, you know, that it's hard to get horny at a certain point. That's, that's at least my take on it. After Closer, I don't know if we're getting horny anymore. Anyway, the poetry. I'm always falling down the same hill, bamboo puncturing the skin, and nothing comes bleeding out of me just like a waterfall I'm drowning in. Two feet below the surface, I can still make out your wavy face. And if I could just reach you, maybe I could leave this place. Hmm. What's up with bamboo puncturing the skin? Is it just like the worst torture that, I guess, it's I kind of it like a torture I think it is a reference method. to a torture method, I yeah. think. Yeah, um, it's a horrible pain. Yeah, not good. Just that thing about seeing your, like feeling so distant from people that it's like you're drowning, right? Yeah. And if you could just reach out to them, maybe they could help you, but you just yeah. can't. Like, that's just so fucking if sad. You have, if, you have, if you've had some kind of severe depression, I think you kind of know how that feels. Yeah. Okay. I won't dwell on any uh, image that is too horrific for too long. By the way, mm -hmm. what? <laughs> what? warning for everything going forward, depression, suicide... <laughs> I should have said this way earlier. I think we did at the top of the series, you know. Mm -hmm. But, you know, things will get dark. So there's your fair warning. Um, a cool synthesizer bass line from the pre-course that I probably missed my first few times through on this song. Just so, so extremely nine inch nails. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> of a, of a, a synth bass there in a song that's that's kind of unconventional and different. That 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 anchors you. It's like oh, there's Trent's favorite synthesizer. <laughs> um, we have some cool guitars in the surround speakers and the chorus. Doesn't get more metal than that. And then, let's see, there's a fuzzy synth bass in the chorus that I think was also in there, but this is that isolated. That's so weird. 
Honestly, you know what it reminds me of are those fucking. Who did the Inception soundtrack? Was it Zimmer? Was it Hans yes. Zimmer? For a while, and this this vaguely reminded Don't me of that. Don't compare this to there that. Was, no, there was that trend in, in film scores where everything yeah. went. Bruh. But that was like brass. That was like brass horns. I understand, Bwah. but it just reminds me of that. I don't know yeah. why. I don't know why. It just does. It's just kind Bwah. of. There's yeah. a lot of Bwah in this album, but I didn't know this was there at all until going through these tracks. Like crazy. Um, okay. In the second verse, there is noise added to the center speaker that was not in the first verse. Oh, it's just, it's just going into the, just the beginning of the second verse, just going into it. There's this weird thing. Like what? It almost sounds like reverb from far away of like a piano clanging or like someone slammed the um, top shut on a piano i was about to say slams the top shut on a piano okay before you good, did good yeah. ear well mm-hmm. good ear crazy i love that it's in there and i never knew um okay i labeled this piano swell Ooh. Cine- oh cinematic swell into the piano line for verse two Maybe reversed? Also, before we go into verse two, there's this, it's kind of prominent, but it sounds like it's something taken out of a movie score. Probably more of the VHS tape stuff. Sounds like sci-fi. And you hear like the strings revving up, but then it cuts yeah, out as cuts soon as out. it, as soon as it starts, it gets going. Yeah, some kind of scary movie or sci-fi or something. Um, there's noise and more noise in the surround speakers. Verse two. And then poetry part two. You would know, wouldn't you? Extend your hand to those who suffer. To cool sense doing a rhythm in the background. Like, to those who've had a taste like that means something. And oh, so sick I am. Maybe I don't have a choice. And maybe that is all I have. And maybe this is a cry for help. Then, of course, when we get to the bridge, all the noises start to come out. Oh, I made some loops. Let's see if we can get something cool going here. So here's the never-ending drum loop from the bridge. With those sonar sounds. Yeah, exactly. We're in a submarine. Let's see if I can add some more noisy synths. I had no idea that was in there, whatever that is. No, I don't need didn't either. Synthy thing is in there. Whoa. 
always like that sound. Uh, then there's the total total noise freak out. I think it's created by guitar. This part, it's just uh, panning wildly in our headphones. This album does the craziest shit with guitar. Um, and then finally the end, uh, the I wanna, etc. parts, what you hear in the surround speakers. So the vocals isolated, kind of weird. This one's kind of long, but I I thought it was too interesting to cut it off. Double up the guitar there. Okay, that's all I got for I do not want this. I have one more thing I want to talk about before we go on to Big Man with a Gun, a.k.a. the Kyle Rittenhouse song. Um, Oh, no, no, that's Little little Baby with a Gun. But he thinks he's a big man. man. That's the whole point. Okay, so um, can you pull up a song by Halsey? Yes. From their new album, If I Can't Have Love, I Want Power. I'm looking for Whispers. One of the best. Tracks off that one. Ooh, whispers came right up in your Spotify. Must uh, it must know? <laughs> I think it does. <laughs> I believe that's Trent on the piano, by the way. The thing in your thighs when you're lonely at night Scroll through your phone getting high off the light Numb in your chest when you close the blinds Repose in time and you tell yourself you're fine But you sabotage the things you love the most Camouflage so you can feed the lie that you're composed This is the voice in your head that says you do this. this is the ache that says you do not want him This is the glimmer of light that you're keeping alive When you tell yourself that I could fuck him Why do you need love so badly? I honestly, this is gonna sound horrible I have not 
you asked earlier, like, has Halsey said anything about this? Yeah. Uh, I have not really read that much or listened to any of the interviews with Trent and Atticus and Halsey. I saw the short piece. Um, some of it is because I wanted to do like a, you know, a bonus up on this at some point and I didn't want to yeah. start heavily researching it yet. And also I've been researching other crap and right. just haven't had the time as much as I've wanted to. But I, I think, I mean, obviously this was produced by Reznor and Atticus and I just, I feel like this is uh maybe a little bit of a callback <laughs> yeah we know she wrote she wrote the lyrics obviously i maybe even before she started working with him i don't but, know about that for sure on this track because i think they get okay. songwriting credits on almost every track well yeah that's just the kind of that's today's standard producer deal i think we've already music. argued about this before <laughs> yeah and i and, said no that's not but yeah but okay but i my position is that yes it is okay um we know she's a fan, and hence why she asked for them to come onto the project. Um, so, yeah, it, maybe it's just her making a reference to an album that she loves. You maybe. Know? And also it is, I mean, the song is about mental illness in a different way. So Yes. Um, I do I'm... not want this 2021, maybe. <laughs> the remix. In, in reality, it is a really good song. It is a great song. Give it a listen. Mm-hmm. All right, so are we ready? Are we ready for Big Man with the Gun? I am feeling like I'm a big man. Mm, the, the song about toxic the masculinity. Most hated song Nine Inch Nails ever made. And you know what? Trent doesn't even like it. So I know. I know. I, I really did. We have we didn't even have the term toxic masculinity in 1994. No, we definitely right? did not. If we did, it was something that was in like. Uh, it was. It was in like journal articles no. <laughs> that like no one was referencing. It was called male chauvinism. That was probably that's what I was going to say, like a, a machismo, yeah, right? They had kind of thing. Terms for it. Um, yeah. yeah. So big man with a gun. Before we dive too deep on the meaning of this song, track nine. Uh, Trent Reznor produced. Mixing engineers were Bill Kennedy and Sean Bevan. Um, Danny Loner is credited with additional guitars, and then there's something called Steakhouse <sighs> that, that is credited to Tommy Lee. What? What could that be? Because it's Tommy Lee, I don't even want to know. I mean, I do want to know, but I know I'm going to hate the answer. Okay, so this Steakhouse sample allegedly comes from, it's a studio-altered recording of a porn star having an orgasm, and it's credited to Tommy Lee. So maybe listen closely and see if that's what you're hearing. Obviously, it's very, very uh, altered, but that's what Steakhouse... What the fuck does Steakhouse mean? I don't... Maybe it's whenever you go to a strip club and they charge your card. It's always to a steakhouse. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Maybe it was That's the good same. Good point. Good point. Um, but like those places around here that do that, they really do serve steaks. We've argued about this before. I've never seen anyone at that strip club eat a steak in my life. Well, no, but they technically have it. I don't think that's true um, at all. Well, they do. Uh, look it up. Okay. Steakhouse. Oh, I wish I knew. Someone, Someone's going to tell us. I've probably already been told by a friend and I already forgot. Maybe. But like, why does why does Tommy Lee get the credit for some woman have, is it, I assume it's a woman having an orgasm? With or maybe him, maybe. With, we know he liked to what? record himself having sex. There was an infamous sex tape uh, of uh, him okay. and his, right, his right, wife, right, right. Uh, Pamela Lee. So we've, uh, we've talked about- Pamela the, uh, Anderson Lee. Sorry, or Pamela <laughs> Anderson. We've talked about the- Axel Rose thing, mm-hmm. now the Tommy Lee thing. Mm-hmm. I'm sick of these guys, quite frankly. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah. Well, Damn it. Steakhouse. Okay. Yeah. Well, you couldn't tell. It, uh, it does sound like moaning, but it sounds like a robot moaning, maybe. And there are now two versions of that, which I just found out. Yeah, I pointed j- it out. Just clued me in on. If you listen to the surround sound one, they've changed it out, the steakhouse sample. Uh, I don't know if that's because of Tommy Lee or not. I don't know if it's actually been changed out or if it's just been altered differently. It sounds like a different thing to me. It's, I don't know it's why pitched they would... lower. Yeah, I don't. I don't, I don't know. know why. It, yeah, the the original one from the stereo mix has has a higher thing. I don't know why they would go in and just make it lower. Like we we've seen we keep seeing this. We saw it on Pretty Hate Machine. You know the remaster. They took mm-hmm. out samples from movies. Yeah, I I really. I, I don't know. It's just been replaced. That's weird. Um, and you could maybe layer them or play them back to back if, yeah, if you can possibly. So this appears on Downward Spiral and also on March of the Pigs, the UK version. And as far as being played live, it was like a semi-frequent encore on the Self-Destruct tour, but it hadn't been played live until it was played at the Webster Hall performance, um, which was on the Wave Goodbye tour. And that was the first time it was played, I think, in 15 years. Um, And on that tour, I think they played the complete downward spiral on two separate shows but the first one was the webster hall show and that that's very important for another reason that we'll talk about for the next track um a warm place okay so um you said that was the wave goodbye tour i think so it was part of the wave goodbye tour i'm guessing the only reason they played it was so that they would play the complete downward spiral yeah because Mm -hmm. we know it's a song he said he doesn't like anymore yeah i mean even in like 1995 he had said that like um in keyboard magazine he said Listening to it later, there were a lot of things about Big Man with a Gun that I wouldn't put on there now. It fit an emotion I thought needed to be on the record, but there was probably a better way of accomplishing it now that I've had some time to look back at it. I think this was one of those songs, once again, where they kind of wrote it very quickly and threw it in there. Um, And Reznor has said that this is really a song that is aimed at misogyny and glorification of gun violence and gangster rap and in the United States in general. Um, We fucking love... Well, I don't love my guns, but our country is fucked up about guns and gun culture and uh you've seen that recently folks uh-huh. in in a, a very big way and, and murder is legal folks it's the purge out here it, it basically it is the fucking purge i mean you do anything you could get shot <laughs> i mean you walk yeah. up to a person who has a gun and maybe they think you look threatening or you're black and they're just going to fucking shoot you because this is what happens now in America and you can just get away with it. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Stand your ground. Protect yourself. Every citizen needs a gun. There are more guns in this country than there are people. Don't get me going on my gun rant and gun culture in general. I think it's sick. It makes me sick. I, I don't really like to go places anymore because I'm terrified of it. I'm terrified for my nieces who have to go to school in a public school. I'm terrified for all children. And I just think it's really sad that we live in a culture that would rather protect guns than it would its own citizens and who really thinks in some sick, twisted ways that these things make us safer when they don't. I'm sorry they don't. If you have a gun in your house, you're more likely to kill someone in your house or someone is more likely to be killed by it. Uh, If you have a gun in your home, you're more likely to commit suicide. Like these things do not keep you safe and they do not protect you. 
Um, and if you don't agree with me and you hate me for saying that, then sorry. These are just my opinions. And, um, I mean, we live in a country where you can't even do research on gun violence because... Right, um, it's illegal. Well, it's illegal. <laughs> the CDC can't. It's true. It's like, true. The, the CDC is literally barred from uh, mm -hmm. doing research into You know into why? Because death. of gun lobbies. Because it's more important yes. that guns manufacturers can make it money. All, it comes back to the... It comes down to protecting capital. Uh, but That's we, all it we, is, we folks. We can't. And yeah, the gun lobby is a huge part of capital because it's... And it's, a lot of it goes back to the gun culture and the sickening part of it is that it's usually white men who uphold this kind of idea in our society and young white men have really taken on that that sickness i mean we've seen it in you know the the columbine shootings and we've seen it in god i mean hundreds of school shootings after that and not just school shootings but you know uh people are killed going to the movie theater people are killed going to walmart people are killed in synagogues people are killed in churches you cannot you are not safe anywhere in this country at all period um i remember one time i worked at barnes and noble and uh a, an alarm went off and we're supposed to approach people whenever the alarms go off at the door, even though we can't do anything about it. Like, if someone sets the alarm off, we're not allowed to search them. No. It's all just I'm, for I'm show. I'm not going to go after them. Yeah, and especially because people are fucking nuts. I don't want someone to yeah. kill me. And so the alarm went off, and I just went up to the, the gentleman who was walking through, and he just lifted his jacket, and he had a fucking gun and a holster in his jacket, and he's like, this probably set it off, and then just glared at me. And I was oh, like, God. fuck. Back the fuck away from this psycho. That's not the first time I, I saw people bring guns into Barnes & Noble either. No, no. A pe uh, one of our uh, leads found a gun in the fucking bathroom that a cop left, by the oh way. Oh, my God. Yep. Jesus Christ. <clears throat> this is why I hate gun culture. Even cops can't be responsible cops with just, fucking guns. Cops like, just leaving their guns laying around. Could you imagine if a child got a hold of that in a Barnes & Noble bathroom? It was like, anyway, whatever. <laughs> Speaking of gun rants, this, this song is like a one minute, 36 second gun rant almost. Mm -hmm. And... I mean, you you mentioned the likelihood of suicide with a gun lying around. Mm -hmm. I think that's what kind of where this song fits into the narrative. People that and just someone who's completely lost it. I mean, he's yeah. completely fucking lost it. This, he even yes. says, "Once again, we have that lyric: nothing can stop me now." Right. And it's like, I really mean it this time in a psycho way. Um, I'm flailing around playing with a gun like a lunatic. But because seriously, what is going to stop a white boy from shooting anyone anymore? Nothing can uh, stop no, them no, now. No, nothing. <laughs> I mean, it's a legal fucking precedent. Yeah, it's now legal. It's it's the perch, like I said. Yeah. Um, but we there is this this whole fan controversy. It's one of the least liked Nine Inch Nail songs. I don't think it's one of the best Nine Inch Nail songs, but I I like some things about it. It's so weird. Like, why do people hate this one and want it, like, not even on the album? Do you want why me to you tell you why I hate it? You do hate it. Okay. I don't necessarily hate the message that it's sending. I think that it can be misinterpreted, though, by people who are very sick in the head and have been warped by the gun and violence and misogynistic culture of our country. So I think that's that's bad. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um I, I I hate the – so this is also using, like, guns as a metaphor as, like, sexual assault because there are yes. lyrics 
So uh, he says um, things like, I have a big gun, got me a big old dick, and I like to have fun held against your forehead. I'll make you suck it. Maybe I'll put a hole in your head just for the fuck of it. Yep. Um, you know, I God, I can just read it because it's really short. This is like a punk thrash song for Nine Inch yeah, Nails. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Um, I can reduce you if I want. I can devour. I'm hard as fucking steel, and I've got the power. I'm every inch a man, and I'll show you somehow. Me and my fucking gun. Nothing can stop me now. And then shoot, 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 shoot. shoot. I'm going to come all over you. I hate that. I recently had a conversation with um, uh, a friend on Instagram. I'm just going to say, hey, Liz. But we were kind of talking about how when we were younger, we watched a lot of things that we were probably way too young for and maybe didn't understand how, for example, like I talked about like a Clockwork Orange and Kubrick and things like that maybe in a bonus episode or something, but uh, I watched it when I was really young. And while I was kind of shocked by like depictions of rape and violence against women, yeah. it didn't affect me so much. That like, movie's horrific. It is horrific. But when I was younger, I had never seen anything like that really. And it was, I don't want to say mm-hmm. artfully done, but I mean, there's some artistry to the movie. Yes, there's some, course. yes, of course. And, uh, I, I think that when you're older and you've actually been either a victim of some form of violence or assault, or you know people who have been victims of violence or assault, those lyrics really fucking hurt. And when I was younger, and I know that it's all about interpretation, and obviously this is not literal, like, you know. Yes. I'm I'm not trying to say that he he's obviously, it's a metaphor. You know, I'm not... We, yeah, we can't stress enough that he's not, like, uh, as a teen, I, I'll let you finish your thing, I'm sorry. No, you're good. But yeah. uh, as a teen, it was something that I could listen to, and it wasn't my favorite, even, I mean, I liked that it was loud and short and yeah. fast, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, punk, I did like that. Yeah, it was very feel. kind of punky and, and, and very heavy, and I liked that, but the lyrics then, at least to the uh, shoot, shoot, I'm going to come all over you, did not affect me as much. Or the uh, very aggressive sexual lyrics. And honestly, I just, I don't think I really listened deeply to it. It was more just like, yeah, this is fucking hard. <laughs> yeah. And I also understood that it was meant to not be taking, taken literally. Like he was poking fun or um, trying to highlight something that is very wrong with our society. Like I understood that, but you know, even then I did. But I, whenever you're older, like those things are, they hit different. Whenever you've actually had some life experience yeah. or you've, you've, like I said, like you've had maybe some things that have happened to you or happened to people that you love that have been violent sexual acts or aggressive acts, you know, and it happens all the time to women. Ask a woman and they've probably been assaulted in some form. It, it is really, really very common. And so I just hate listening to this now because it does really? hit differently. Um, it's, it's kind of like, you know, when I was a kid, I could watch slasher movies and horror movies all the time and it didn't affect me. But now that I'm older and, you know, I, I maybe am a little bit more in touch with like my mortality. I don't like, I don't like realistic violence. Like I can't handle it. I just, I can't. When I was younger, I I was fine. But now that I'm older, I just can't. And it's maybe the same way with the song. It just hits different now that I'm older. Yeah. Um, Movies that I watched, including A Clockwork Orange and, you know, gore porny stuff and a lot of that stuff that I watched as a teen and didn't think much of. Now I don't think I would ever care to watch again. Um, 
because yeah, it, it it hits differently for some reason. Yeah. Um, I just and but th- this song, uh, I I can still listen to. My thing is, I do yes, this song is offensive. It is. There's no way around it. But also, th- it's also true that um, it it is meant to be a mock a mockery to make a mockery of toxic masculinity and the gun penis replacement mm-hmm. um that whole freudian thing going on he, that's he, that's what he was doing obviously it's kind of a big obvious kind of jokey metaphor and also representing a man at the end of his rope and um i think in in the ixy video she said he's at his, his lowest point in the spiral i'm going to argue that it seems like the lowest point and then we go one point lower um but Needless to say, it is a low point um, where you I think you're... it's pretty low point when you can perform violence on other people. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And you're just, you're thinking about guns. And then obviously later in the album, we're talking very uh, frankly and specifically about gun suicide. Mm-hmm. So the gun, it's like the Chekhov's gun. It's introduced here, you know, um, for a reason. So I think the reason I never supported removing it from the album entirely is that I kind of see where it fits into place. Even it, it is a bit out of place. Well, here's the thing. I would never advocate, like, I would never be an advocate for removing well, it no, from the I album. That, because that, here's the thing, is like this song is so thrashy and so hard and without, it's relentless for that whole two minute period, right? Actually, it's not even, it's one minute and 36 seconds. That whole period nonstop, it does not let you breathe, right? Yeah. Really, and then at the true. end, it segues. I mean, it just we get a big, we get, big breather. <laughs> we get a warm place, we get and it's our just pause. It's just perfect because you go from this ugly, heavy, yeah, a relentlessly paced song to a warm place, and it literally feels like such a a, a break. Like it's the most, like you really, really need it. So the album and, goes, and, and so that is just yeah. It's yeah. What, it goes from the ugliest, it's uh, the album's ugliest point to the prettiest point. Mm-hmm. Um, back to back. I wrote a stupid note down. What is it? I, w- I was thinking about comparing this, the lyrics of this to music today. And like sexually, I think <laughs> this is just a note I wrote. I wrote, Megan the Stallion is nastier than Big Man with a Gun. <laughs> so sexually, lyrics. Today, from pop stars, not all pop stars, obviously, but someone like Megan The Stallion, or Cardi who, B, we, yeah, mean, or Cardi B. Look at look at what. Well, look God. who's much. Rock stars are not maligned anymore. It's hip hop stars, right? Or yeah, yeah, they found a new right. They found, they found a, new, a new moral panic, right? Like uh, so, they're Travis like, Scott is satanic. Whatever. Yeah. Like this is the new moral panic, and it's 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 hip hop artists, it's black artists. It's... But if you listen to her lyrics about sex, that I think they're more nasty and graphic than Big Man with the Gun. The difference is that they're not talking about violence and and non consensual things and mm-hmm. gun and you know uh, comparing guns to sex. Her hers is yeah. more about consensual freakiness and nastiness. But it does, which I can get behind. Right, of course we can all get behind it, uh, literally and figuratively, um, and. I don't know where I was going with that. I'm just like, hmm, how does music well, today I think, measure up? I think what you're thinking of is, and this is what I've been, um, I think I want to do a bonus episode 
where we talk about the moral panic of the 90s mm-hmm. and of this song and of hip hop and of things like Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. There's the PMRC came back in a big way, uh, but it was in disguise. I read a really amazing article that made that kind of inspired me to want to do a uh, a bonus episode oh. on the moral panic behind this song. And and it was the funny thing is, is like whoever freaked out about this song, it was because it was part of the Interscope Records roster, along with like Dre and Snoop Dogg. Yeah. And these were people that they panicked over at the time. Yeah. Anyway, we'll get into it on the bonus episode. But this was wrapped. This was lumped in with hip hop. Right. Who The the two main people behind um, like the boycott of, of Time Warner who owned Interscope were uh, C. Dolores Tucker and William Bennett and they lumped this song in with it and I don't think they even listened to it. They just saw the lyrics written out. They, and they like, they, they thought it, it with hip hop. Yeah, I think they included it. In it's funny because yeah. it was it was like a backlash to, to gangster rap as yeah. Trent said. Yeah. And I, I think it'd be interesting to do an episode about the kind of the moral panic of the mid 90s with lyrics and music um, and... Then later, maybe Columbine, which I don't... This is going to be the least fun episode <laughs> I ever partook in. Uh, I think it will be interesting, though. And I think it's important to discuss. Uh, moral panics sure. just interest me in general. Right now, we have yes. a, a big moral panic, uh, like we were talking about, about hip-hop artists. Um, All the same old-fashioned shit is back, though. It's so boring because it's the same old shit, and it's yeah. back. Just Satan crap? And like hip hop and is is the devil like this is from the eighties man like why do we have to well live in the eighties it was more like metal in the nineties was when hip hop was I really mean, hated hip hop they always hated well but yeah. yeah they hated metal of course and I'm believe me I'm gonna get to that by the way we're talking about big man with a gun for a while I feel like it's kind of gotten the shaft I get why it's gotten the shaft I get I get why. I'm looking at her Spotify. <laughs> Speaking of that, what? Looking at her Spotify, Uh-oh. every every song is hearted, except Big Man with a Gun. <laughs> Wait a minute, you didn't put a heart on the Downward Spiral title track. Yeah, that's a hard one, buddy. Oh my god, that's another one that has gun violence in it. Maybe there's a theme there. I think it's quite a beautiful song, though. Well, I mean, it's nasty in in parts, but well, listen, I man, it's nice. I just don't want that to pop up on on random. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. okay. That's funny, man. And so people give Big Man with a Gun the short shrift, um, and then a lot of people want to skip past it. All right, but Blake, I'm state gonna, your case. I'm going to dig. No, I've already. I don't have a case. I oh, just okay. want to. I want to dig into it here a little bit more than other people maybe have. Okay. Because I don't know. Let's give it. Let's give it its due diligence. I guess. Let's figure out what is right or wrong about this fucking thing. So. If you can't stand to hear a big man with a gun, skip ahead one minute, 30 seconds. We ready for this? I'm ready. Jess is bobbing her head. She's rocking. I never said I hated, like, I like the music. Okay, another, okay, so the rhythmic, the rhythmic displacement here, again, two tracks in a row, really bad until it gets like halfway through this first part here. The beat is so weird. Oh, I was gonna. The really the fast beat. Kind of a metal or punk type beat pattern. I was gonna say it reminds me of Dead Kennedys. Yeah, okay. Because the 
one, the speed and the punkiness, two, the way Jello Biafra would be like, I am something that I'm not, and I'm a big bad guy. <laughs> like, that was like every Dave Kennedy song. It, it strikes me as the same kind of thing. Just, the album's just crescendoing to its nastiest, lowest, guttural point. In. Gotta love it. Trent loves his square wave cut off. No fade outs for this man. Um, I wanted to say we haven't talked about just do it much or or any yet, have we? I mean, we, we you did mention it. We did talk about in it. Research. Um, yeah. Um, I, I think I the very already, first episode we yeah, talked about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, man, big man with a gun is so offensive. How fucking bad was that song? <laughs> that. Flood was like, no more. <laughs> like, how bad was that one? You know? Flood was like, big man with the gun. I don't think, yeah, I'll sign off on that. I don't think it was necessarily uh, the song itself. I think it was maybe uh, the message that Just Do It conveyed and uh, maybe its placement on the album, if it had made it on the album, if it had maybe been recorded. <laughs> anyway. I, I think Wait, there's what? I think there's more context to it than just oh okay. it's a bad song like I I think it it's it's um like I said like the message that I I don't know I've never well, heard it but basically that song is just saying kill yourself yeah. just do it no one cares okay yeah and I think that um, flood was like this has gone a little too far I mean a few of the songs on here are saying that but in a less direct way true um but okay I get yeah I, I get what you're saying um okay. Me and what if it should be called Me and My Fucking Gun? That that'd be a good alt, alternate title. Do mm-hmm. you think it's kind of a play on happiness's warm gun? I didn't think about that. <laughs> I just do you think it's a play on Me and a Gun, the Tori Amos oh. song that is also about sexual violence? I bet it. We God knows he loved the album. He loved Little Earthquakes, right? Mm-hmm. That's a heartbreaking song. I last time we played it, I cried. <laughs> you made actually didn't you make you made me skip it because you didn't want to cry. No, you played it, but I think really? when when we listened to it another time, oh, I made you skip it. It was a different it. time. Yeah, I don't want to make you cry. It's just hard to hear that. Of fucking course, song. it is. God, look at the subject matter. Um, okay, big man, my clips because I'm gonna get into the nitty gritty. Okay. Even if no one else will, actually, Ixie has a really even though it's brief, Ixie has a really good video on it. So watch that. And then come back. Um, okay, the drum loop again stems from the surround tracks. I think these are the the noises you'll hear when I do these are from the the changed redone. Yeah, that's they weird. sound different, but that's just what you hear in the center speaker. By the way, when we play this on five point one, I thought it sounded like shit. It was yeah. not good. I need. Here's the issue. There are, there are volume jumps. The volume will like duck down and come back up throughout the surround mix. It's like what the fuck is going? It's on some tracks, not on all. If someone knows what the fuck is going on, it seems like a really big oversight. And it's not just my disc because it's on the stems that are online for all to download. 
it, someone out there has to know, please get back to me. Nailedpod at gmail.com. Get, hit us up on socials at nailedpod. Um, okay. That's just the center speaker and then the the, the moans. These are moans 2.0 and the surround speakers. Steakhouse. That's not Steakhouse. Can we place this? What does this sound like? Maybe it's from the Elephant Man again. It could be moans slowed way down and put through something else, but slowed way down. I sh- I should I could spend all fucking day. I don't. I wish I had time in my life. I'll speed him up. Try to like you know solve this shit. Um. Okay, so we have the drum and the synth bass. I do dig that that tone, that synth bass tone. Mm-hmm. I don't have much for this song, but something I found really cool is that I think we could do. I think we we could rehabilitate Big Man with a Gun and make it more of a fun rock song. Change the lyrics or whatever. There's a hidden, what I called a hidden rock song underneath this song that I didn't know existed till like yesterday. But here's what we hear in the surround speakers at the point where the snares do a fill and it goes, it like climaxes here. No pun intended. (laughs) Oh wait, okay, no. We're starting at just, it's smoke on the water. And Ixie compared it to smoke on the water and she's absolutely right. So, you know, okay, so Smoke on the Water goes bow, 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 and this song goes bow, 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 and I'll play that part, but it's it's similar to the Deep Purple riff. I think isolating that riff really helps us place where it is um, if the drums throw you off, and I it gives me a little more respect musically for the song. And then it'll lead into what I call the hidden rock song underneath the more electronic layers. Fucking volume jump. I bet that's Danny Loner. You never hear Trent doing harmonics. Guitar people, let me know. That thing right there. I bet that's Danny. Maybe. I'm gonna come all over you. So that that line gets uh, I'm gonna come all over you. gets put out front in the surrounds. I'm gonna come all over you. Okay, here it is. My favorite. It is it's kinda like Black Sabbath. Shriek. Damn. And then he just yeah, we hear the tail end of his his shrieking. Somebody is playing a real drum kit. That I my ear tells me that that is a real drum kit being played. One Why of the you, tra- you maybe I'm I'm like who is it? It's not in the credits. Who is he? 
Who is he? Maybe it is Frank because it's not in the credit. It's a very simple part, mm-hmm. but it's one of the few points in the album where I'm like, that definitely sounds like a real, it sounds like a garage rock band, you know, mm-hmm. like all the shitty stuff we've all done uh, with shitty gear in a garage. Uh, and I think it rocks. That harmonic thing is so weird because I never noticed it before. It's so not a Nine Inch Nails thing to do. And I'm finally putting the pieces together that that's the Danny Loner part. You don't, it's weird that that, 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 that he even plays because, you know, you normally just think of him as a live hired gun, right? But I think this is the only point where he plays on the album, maybe. Um, anyway, the last thing I, I got to get to, I've, I've made some interesting connections and I'm sorry in advance regarding shoot, 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 shoot. So the part where he, he says shoot, shoot. Um, I think this is a reference to some of that rock uh, panic controversy, specifically with uh, an Ozzy Osbourne song. Okay. So here is a clip from VH1 behind the music Ozzy Osbourne. ...went further, alleging that Ozzy had hidden subliminal messages in the recording. Messages that instructed impressionable young listeners to take their own lives. The additional lyrics and the additional sound was, Get the gun. Get the gun. Shoot, 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 shoot. Get the gun. Get the gun. Shoot, 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 shoot. Shoot five times. That can't be a coincidence, can it? I don't know. So 1984, mm-hmm. someone is claiming that a lunatic, by the way, I forget who he was, a pastor or something. He, he's he's trying to cash in on the on the moral panic, right? Mm, yeah, the satanic panic. Uh, a kid who liked Ozzy killed himself. A 19-year-old, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, they're talking about the song Suicide Solution. Uh, this wasn't really in the song lyrics, but they claimed it said, shoot, 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 shoot. 1984, 1994, Trent Reznor puts shoot, 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 quite literally up front in the song. How'd you find this, buddy? Did you find this all on your own? This was all off of my brain, um, something I've thought about for a long time. And so I, when we were prepping for this episode, I looked around for the behind the music because I remember watching that behind the music long ago on VH1. Uh-huh. Um, so I looked for that clip and I found it. Anyway, here's Ozzy reacting to uh, that weirdo. I'm speechless. I mean, get the gun. I, I, to, to be perfectly honest with you, there is an effect on there. I, I, I was f***ing around in the studio and, I, and it was put to an echo thing. And, he, and I've listened to it myself and you could misinterpret it as saying, shoot. But that wasn't my intention. It wasn't, we didn't sit down and go, get the, I never said, get the gun. <laughs> oh my God. 
That makes yeah. me think of um I don't know if anyone <laughs> I don't know if anyone watched the Osbournes. I did when I was a kid. But there was a, a, a scene where like the phone rings and Ozzy goes, What the fuck is that? And it's one of my favorite things and I think about it like all the time. I'm pretty sure it was a phone ringing. I have a really funny Ozzy thing. What? <laughs> I had to include this. Okay. You see a far more violent and Tom and Jerry flick than you ever see it on Ozzy Osbourne concert. I mean, that's where it's, if you're going to get down to it, kids of three and four watch, watch his mouse get, and his brains bashed in every morning on, on American television. Isn't mm-hmm. that harmful? I mean... <laughs> the bashing this mouse's bloody brains out. <laughs> He's very uh, concerned about Tom and Jerry. Well, yeah. I mean, maybe that's oh, the start God. of all our problems is fucking Tom and Jerry. I love that he's like, I never said, shoot, 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 shoot. Okay, look, we were messing around the studio. There's a, there's a delay effect on there. It kind of sounds like shoot, shoot, shoot. But <laughs> that wasn't my intention. <laughs> Oopie. Okay, so just, right. just as warm place, just as a warm place gives us a break. We're going to give you a break, and we'll be right back. All right, we're back. <sighs> Glad everyone got a little break after our... Big Ooh, man with a gun. Need a break after all that shit. All Ooh. right, no more mention of B M W A G. No more. <laughs> and, until our bonus episode. Okay. Um. So I guess we're just gonna dive into a warm place. Yes. So track ten on the downward spiral. Mm-hmm. Um, production is credited to Flood and Resner. Uh, Molder is credited with uh, mixing engineer. Um, found on, of course, at Hour Spiral, but also a version on Natural Born Killers, which we talked about in our Natural Born Killers bonus up. Right. So when do you think this song was played live? Oh, God. That's a good question. I don't know. I'm not a real fan. I'm a poser because somehow I don't know this. From what I found, this song was only ever performed live for the first time at that Webster Hall performance I talked about where the Downward oh Spiral God. was played for the first time on the crazy. Wave Goodbye Tour. Yeah. People must have went fucking nuts. Yeah. I mean, imagine being there for that or for the first, maybe in the only time they played a perfect rug. Yeah. That yeah. was 2018 or something. Yeah. I would have um, lost my yeah. shit. <laughs> people people did lose their shit. That yeah. was crazy. Un- seemingly unplayable song. Yeah. So um, since then, it's been kind of, uh, I don't want to say a regular, but it's been... Um, it was on like the uh, 2013-2014 touring cycle. Uh, usually, Cort- like Cortini would play it alone, um, oh. and then on the Cold and Black and Infinite tour, uh, Cortini and Ross would play it together. So th- it's just kind of alternate versions. Is that like yeah. a thing for for the other guys to go in the back and going back, piss? go bathroom, get a breather, get some water, get some Lacroix. Uh, <laughs> yeah, load up Diet Coke, whatever. Just just take a take a little break. See, it it's an it's a bit of a break in the album. It's an instrument. The album's only full instrumental. Mm-hmm. It's not like any of the other tracks. That's for sure. Yeah. So um, this song has kind of an interesting history as far as possible inspirations, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a Bowie instrumental called Crystal Japan. 
and it was, from what I've read about it, originally recorded and maybe intended for release on Scary Monsters, but was not actually released on it. Instead, it ended up being used in a gin advertisement, I think, oh in Japan. God. Um but it was included later on like a, a reissue of Scary Monsters. They included it as like a bonus track or whatever. Mm. Um, but that song, and honestly, like when I listen to it, it has more like, like I feel like it should have been part of the Berlin. Like it mm. has more like heroes or low vibes to me than it does Scary Monsters vibes, but mm-hmm. whatever. Well, that uh, came right after that, or didn't it? Yes. So um, Crystal Japan. Um, and I'm sure we'll talk about it more, but Bowie's reaction when this was kind of revealed or he listened to it or whatever was kind of like, who cares? Because Bowie himself was really good at like lifting bits and pieces from pieces of, 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 of art and ephemera. It was inspired by other artists and photographers and, and musicians and was really yeah. good about taking little pieces that he liked and incorporating them into his own uh, works of art, you know, whether it's, you know, whether it's like a cover photo on an album that was inspired by someone else's photography or just music or his look or his appearance. Like he was just a master at that. And I feel like Trent is too. Yeah. Um, just kind of this, this way of incorporating things you love or are inspired by, but making them your own. So I was going to say, I have a clip of them talking about it. Kennedy got to interview two of my fucking heroes, and she sucks. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Why does she get all the good things? I don't know. Um, okay, so you have the clip up here. She didn't suck then, oh, probably. I see. Trent, you were influenced by David Bowie's album, Love, when you were making The Downward Spiral, correct? Yeah, it was, um, I was working with Flood, and we, we were going through a phase of um, overanalyzing everything and really thinking cerebrally about what we wanted to do and um, that record we both realized we had been listening to a lot and sometimes we'll, we'll sit and think about um, things from mood different records to structures of songs um, instrumentation one thing we both found on low in particular was a lot of the songs had odd structures and when you think it would do something that a predictable pop song would do it would do something else yeah. but it seemed natural and that was something that we used as kind of a blueprint and also the uh, um, the layout of that album with one side being primarily songs and the second side kind of turning into a more instrumental mood thing was another thing that we, that we blatantly ripped off and <laughs> would you in the new show really? you don't know yet do you? now might you be a good time to mention this <laughs> story no. no, I'm serious. You've got to spot it. You got, okay. You are, you're, there's something from your album in our show. But there's something other meaning to say. Okay. So, there's one point when we were doing the record that I came up with this melody and I thought, this is really good, but I couldn't have wrote it, written it myself. So what I played it for like Flood. That? And he said, that's really good. And I said, that's got to be somebody else's it's song. It's from a June advert I did in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> When so I, I played it for a couple other people and I said, I think this is something off flow. Does this sound familiar? Like, oh, you no, I don't know what it is. So we did it, records out. And one day I was talking on the phone and I got the Scary Monster just came out on Ryko Disc finally. Right? So I put that on. It's got bonus tracks at the end. And I'm listening and this song comes on that, to my horror, is the same. Crystal Japan. Crystal Japan. Oh, as, as which song is yours? Cool. So I owe you a little publishing on that. Oh, man. God, you're like Vanilla Ice. Dealing from Queen. It's much darker. 
Yeah, he is, isn't he, though? Yeah. He wouldn't wear this. No, no, he wouldn't. And even if he died, he's got shot Yeah, he does. <laughs> he's a. All right. Well, no, uh, but isn't that though? Isn't that? I mean, isn't that been the battle since the sixties about appropriation and art? I mean, yeah. I do it all the time. It's like, it's. I, 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 I doubt whether any author is thoroughly original. Anything that an author. How the hell can you be now? I mean, with everything that's come out and authorship Lenny loves Kravitz. <laughs> all right. We'll uh, we'll talk more with. Dr. I think she's referring to Lenny Kravitz like being a pastiche of like seventies. Okay. Yeah, everything yeah, from 60s, the sixties, seventies rockers. Yeah. So anyway, I, I love that she says you're like Vanilla Ice stealing from Queen, even though that was a Queen and David Bowie yes, song. David Bowie sitting Bowie. right there. Yeah. I, no one ever said that MTV VJs actually knew what they were talking about. I half mean, the time. do you believe that he? Um, unintentionally just lifted the melody i think it happens it does happen i mean if you any musician out there listening knows that your brain does just lift things i mean it's the same thing with writing like if you when i was younger like i loved god i'm so stupid i love brett easton ellis so much yeah and everything i wrote was in that style where it was like kind of first person present tense uh Anyway, and it, like I was in college courses. This this is not music, but college courses, writing courses, uh, things. I'm sure that many sentences that I wrote were like directly taken from um, other writers, and mm-hmm. it's just kind of like my brain just almost did it automatically. And I'm yep. sure that was the situation with Trent. The sh- should we play the Crystal Japan clip? Yeah, let's play that because it's there's also it's very similar, but it's not exact. Yeah, and there's also another song I want to talk about too. 2017 remaster. Was this only released as a single at first? Well, it was, it was in a gin commercial. It was in a gin commercial. I love that he was he went to other internationally to sell his stuff for commercials. I could hear this on low. Yeah. Can't it, you? It, is this not an Eno collaboration? Because it sounds like it. I'm not certain on that. Let me look it up. I mean, it just has that sound. Here it is. Oh, it's so lovely, though. Tony Visconti, not okay. Eno. Yeah. Well, so similar but not exact. Mm-hmm. But that that ascending, climbing up and up, climbing up the opposite of the downward down spiral down. motif yeah. that that steps down. Yeah. Um, Can you pull up another song real quick yeah. before we dive in? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I've never. I've. I think I've heard people talk about this band or read them mentioned in like record reviews or articles the band is the legendary pink dots and the song is i'm not gonna how do you say this blake tons der china dolls 
Oh, it's in German, Dance of the China Dolls. Did I say it right, though? Tons der China Dolls. I don't know how it's actually pronounced. Okay. So, yeah. this I didn't know about this until I was reading Steiner's book. He points this out. And I'm sure other people have, too. But... Do you hear oh. it? Yeah, so that's the the, same, the first three bass notes. The fourth note is different. Yes. Okay, well, I'm going to look up when this is from. We, we already looked it up, didn't we? It's from like a Rarities album. Yeah, but like when was it recorded? Obviously before the downward spiral. It was. I think the Rarities album was released in like 91 or something. Yeah, it says 91 from a box set, I think. Hear it? That organ is similar mm-hmm. to like a organ patch or whatever is used on a warm place. Is this like the fall? I don't know. Reminds me of the fall. I don't know what I'm talking about. It's hard to just kind of casually play a warm place. It's something you got to kind of really, you really just yeah. sink into. Yeah, it really is, isn't it? Although I do have it on like my, um, I have a playlist called Pure Moods, but it's oh. M-E-W-D-S. Okay. And I have a lot of uh, the gentle Nine Inch Nails stuff on there because it really is yeah. nice and like, yes. a, like this song really does make me feel like I'm in a womb. It makes me feel yeah. like I'm in a nice, well, talk about a warm secure place. place where nothing can hurt me. Nothing yeah. can hurt me now. No, uh, <laughs> like, I I mean that's why it's titled the way it is, right? Mm-hmm. I I have jokingly called it the um the save point in a video game. Okay. Where you go into the save room and it's all safe in there. There are no monsters, and you can save and it's peaceful and you use your little tent. I'm thinking probably of a Final Fantasy game, and you heal your characters and you rest and you save and you're like ah oh, relief. Yeah. And then you leave the save room and you fight the worst fucking boss you've ever seen. Yeah. And you thought, so you thought Big Man with the Gun was the nastiest boss in the game, right? <laughs> and then you beat it, you get to a warm place, and you save, and then the worst thing is yet to come. Yeah. This is my theory of it all, and we'll get to that. So Reznor has said that um, in the midst of this buildup of these ever-growing terrible machines, I just wanted to remember that there is somewhere else. Hmm. So. Yeah. Like there is a lot of um, beauty, even though things can be really ugly sometimes. And that's nice to remember. Kind of like sometimes when I watch like floating plastic bags, I just like to stop and think that the world is a, can be such a beautiful place. No, Sorry, I was America, American beauty. I can't (laughs) believe I'm so, I'm a 20 year old conversation that's overdone, but. They couldn't come up with a better thing than trash floating in the sky. Um, it was like it was dancing. It's trash. <laughs> Look, Blake. It's pollution. It's Look. Teenage it's Jessica loved that movie. How about some how about some beautiful fall leaves? It has to be trash. I think it, it was refuse? dancing with the leaves, right? Oh they were God. all dancing together. Anyway, it doesn't anyway, matter. What a that movie didn't age. Um <laughs> A warm place is like the the place you escape from your depression, maybe. It's a it's a little hole. I'm it's the little it's the little bright spot. It's the little piece of of warmth and beauty, maybe that you have left that you can seek like refuge in. Like there's there's like I don't know. I may it's, have it's maybe the place that can kind of pull you back in briefly. Mm-hmm. Um, 
before you descend even further, you know, because even in like the depths of depression, there have been times where I'm just like, the world is not horrible. Like, it's not all bad. There are beautiful things um, that I I want to be alive and and to and to feel and experience and see again, you know. Yeah. But sometimes it's hard to get to that place. Uh, womb was a really good descriptor for it. I didn't think of that one. I think that's. I may have a darker view of it, <laughs> so I don't want to. Like what? Bring everyone down. That maybe it's not. I mean, obviously, it's the the most calm and relaxing and nicest mood on the album, but it's like in your in your depression, it's like the warm the the warm place that you you would crawl into to hide from all the things that. Uh, make you depressed maybe all the depressive symptoms but you it's really it's not an escape it's a little hole you hide in a hole that you think you can hide from your depression i get if, if you're a depressive person you might get this but if it is a hole that you can briefly hide from your depression isn't that a temporary escape it is yes yeah. the but the the whole the dark side to it is that you are not really out. You yeah. may delude yourself that you are for a short time. And that's kind of what this song is to me. Because of what comes next. We know what yeah, comes next. Yeah, we know that the there's a dark climax coming, in my opinion, on the album. So should I, should we listen to it? Let's do it. Okay. Like all the sounds on this are so like unique, it's hard to even place where most of the things are coming from. Like I know I hear some guitars strumming there, but everything's so pretty, but also so alien almost. And everything's very warm. And it's the only song on here without drums. Thank God, some of the drums on this album are just punishing. <laughs> but Most punishing of the drums. in a way that we love. But this is your break, you know? It's your respite. What do you believe that instrument is that climbs up the melody? I'm not sure. Is it some kind of um, distortion on like a. I don't know. Here's what I think. Mm -hmm. I'm of the belief that it's similar to the end of Piggy, and it's a it's actually a piano. Okay, I was gonna say piano, but I a very severe like vibrato effect on it, Mm -hmm. and that's also kind of there's a really affected piano at the very end of Closer. Mm -hmm. So I think we hear that several times throughout the album. At first, I had no idea what it is. This part's obviously awesome, the bridge. And the way it takes you from the first part, which I think is based in uh, in the key of D, we go through the bridge, and for the longest, 
the longest time I didn't even realize that there's a key change. Now we go back to that. It goes back to that melody, but the key has gone down one step into C, from D to C. Like I had to actually play it out on the keyboard to realize. You know how many songs have key changes toward the end? It'll usually go up one in like a triumphant way. This song subtly changes its key down one step. And then we go down here. And it just fades away. And that's like sad to me. <laughs> And then it just fades and fades and dissolves into a slow descent into hell, which we'll get into. And then we have Trent Reznor blowing through a straw. <laughs> Trent is doing that thing at McDonald's where he has the uh, straw wrapper on the mm -hmm. end and he's like, check out what I can do. Yeah. Uh, but we'll get to that. So. A warm place. I always thought it was so fucking beautiful. I always loved it from the first time I heard it. Yeah, it the, really is there's no a way beautiful around song. Um, the only other thing I want to say about this, and I didn't know about this until uh, I was doing some research. So Sister Soleil sang vocals over this. <laughs> uh, Who is that now? So... Sister Soleil is a musician, and this was like in the maybe late 90s, because I think mid to late 90s when she did this. I'm not really certain. But um, basically, this was an artist who loved Nine Inch Nails and really wanted to be signed to Nothing Records. Hmm. And she uh, wanted Reznor to produce her record. Like, she really wanted to work with him. And... Um, was told by John Mom that she was too pop and Reznor would never work with her. Oh my God, is this the proto housey? <laughs> Maybe. Um, so she took a warm place and recorded vocals over it, and then she gave the tape to her friend Bud Carr because he was looking for music for uh, Stigmata, which I don't know if anyone remembers that movie. It's oh kind God. of a forgettable late '90s. I think I saw it, but I completely forgot it. Yeah, was it? I think it's like a Patricia Arquette yes, movie. It was her. Yeah, it's like one of those. I don't want to say like David Fincher esque, Seven esque kind of tones. You know what I mean? Where everything's kind of like dirty and, and gross. And anyway, um, I think I saw it once and and completely forgot about it. But anyway, he loved that song that she gave him and she was like, well, she gave him several, but the one he liked was the one that was basically a warm place with her vocals over it. Mm -hmm. And, um, she was like, listen, um, I use that without any permission. <laughs> and he was like, I'll get, I'll get, I'll get permission. And he somehow got it to Trent. And so later she got a phone call from John mom that Trent wanted to talk to her. And I think he called like a week later. And when he called, she was so nervous. I think she was pouring herself a glass of milk or something and <sighs> dropped the whole gallon of milk on the floor in her friend's apartment. Oh, God. And she was just expecting the worst. But instead, Reznor said, I'm usually an asshole about people trying to use my music, but I was pleasantly surprised when I heard this. Do you want to come to New Orleans to recut this? And so she said she spent about four days at the Nothing Records studio just living the dream, you know, just <sighs> being able to work with Reznor and re-record this track. 
And if you want to hear it, you can stream it on um, her, uh, is it Bandcamp that I have pulled up there? It is Bandcamp. Okay. Illum Tangendo, <laughs> produced by Trent Reznor. Should I play it? Just a little bit Just of it? Just play a little bit of it so people can get a feel of what this sounds like with vocals. It's so weird that like she could she was like the Halsey that could have been, or that never was. <laughs> on her EP until 2010. That's what I saw. It was like on her Haunted EP, which yeah. that is not even on Spotify. Uh, um, yeah, I think she's... you have to buy it on her uh, bank account. It was is pretty. It's pretty, yeah. Um, she seems good. I don't think that song needs anything added, or you know, I prefer it as an instrumental. But yeah. um, she's obviously got some talent. Uh, other than that, the only other thing that I could find on on NI and Wiki, they said that there's a barely audible message layered under the track in the beginning, and it repeats yeah. six times. And what it is is it's the. These vocals are saying the best thing about life is knowing you put it together, but that is urban legend, apparently. So You want me to play it? Play it. Because I took it out, and I tried to bring out the little vocal bit the best I can, because I was like, what the hell is that? I don't think I ever noticed that before, but yes, it is something vocally that loops. I think it's only in the left side. Okay. You can't understand I don't think what I'm is ever, being said. No one's no. ever going to know what's said there. Although with software nowadays that can isolate things, maybe. I don't know. Someone should take a run at it. All right. You got some stems? Yeah. Um, right. Oh, the only other thing I wanted to say about it, you could maybe see how it's kind of like the prototype or maybe the origins of Trent doing film scoring. You know, it's a big, prominent instrumental piece, and it has a different feel, and I can kind of see the DNA for his later work and and score. And, I mean, it did kind of score a film in a way uh, with Natural Born Killers. Mm-hmm. Just something I thought about when, when listening to it. Okay. 
So in the surround mix, um, in the center speaker, if you bring it way up, we hear the, uh, the main melody very quiet, and I brought it way up here. And that's, it almost sounds like a mandolin, but that's just kind of like the reflection, reverb, delay effect, tail of the, of the main melody. For some reason, they stuck it in the center speaker. Nothing else went there. Hmm. Um, we also hear the end melody in the center speaker later. Okay, it's so weird. Okay, this is where you can hear the, the two keys back to back. changes key so pretty <laughs> yeah it's very nice even with that, even that weird isolated thing that I had to bring way up. Um, yeah, there, there's not much to pull out with this song, but I did, I wanted to do a comparison. Like, okay, if you reverse this, it, it's almost like the anti-downward spiral. It's almost like the upward spiral or something. Um, but it's not, it's not exact in any way. Um, here's what it sounds like if you reverse it. So, I mean, it doesn't really sound like the, the main motif in that context. Here it is in the, the full context of the song. Reversed. I, I played it on the, the keyboard, and like the many of the, uh, the intervals between notes are the same, but it just, it sounds completely different in the context of this chord progression obviously um there was some interesting stuff going on in the surround speakers of the bridge maybe maybe the prettiest part of the song just those two notes yeah it does feel like a like a heartbeat from far away or something you get that feeling that the bass thing going mm -hmm. dun, dun, dun. oh yeah I don't that's know. so very trent reznor the that that very low pulse we still hear it on stuff he does recently then there's that little high instrument Like, I want to know the source of all these sounds. I have no clue. I mean, they're all synthesized or sampled, but it's it's amazing to me how sophisticated it, it his method is 
in just taking something and alienating it until we don't know what it is, but we know that we like it. Yeah. <laughs> but we can't point to it and be like, that's a, I know what kind of keyboard that is or what kind of guitar that is. Uh, we don't even know whether it is a keyboard or guitar often. So, yeah, a warm place. Are love we it. moving on? Yeah, I, I love it. Top tier song. Okay. Uh, of all time, for sure. Yeah, totally. Um, eraser. Here we go. Let's so talk about it. Our respite doesn't last long. No, because we're, we're descending going... <laughs> into the pits of despair. Yeah, we're going right into it. So this song, uh, production is Flood and Resner, mixing engineer Mulder. Um, there are uh, different versions of this. Um, we'll talk about some of them whenever we uh, do further down the spiral. I believe is where we'll run into some of these. Yeah. So I think this has been kind of regular in tours right um has it yeah it was on the self-destruct touring cycle and then uh with teeth arena tour and performance and wave goodbye i th i think it's it's a uh, something that's just kind of been present most of the time i mean such a such a rocker yeah. um but also really great in the context of the album. So quite different in a, yeah. in a tour set. So you have the transition, right, from A Warm Place into Eraser. And it's the transition comes with this little, well, we'll talk about it. But it's <laughs> this, I can't do it because I don't have anything to. I don't have a saxophone mouthpiece. Yes, and I love how Ixie got out her clarinet mouthpiece, right. and I was like, "Ah, oh, I'm so familiar with that." Right. I mean, it has a it's a has a reed. Mm -hmm. it's a so it, uh -huh. when she did it, it was a very similar sound to what we hear in Eraser because I'm you know he's almost certainly using a saxophone mouthpiece, mm -hmm. also a reeded mouthpiece, mm -hmm. and it's a similar. I mean, <laughs> I mean, there's a reason why whenever you're in band, they start you on clarinet before you can move into saxophone. They're, yeah, they're, they're, they have very similar. Only if you're really good, like Trent Reznor, will they allow you to be cool enough to play the sax. Nah, I just dropped out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't yeah. want to be in the marching band. Why is that a requirement? Uh, I don't know because no one, if they didn't require it, no one would do it. Probably. Um, she. I did want to point out. Xy said she noted how you can hear the art articulation of his tongue, and I was like, "All right, calm down." Ah, uh, but you can. I mean, that's what you can. You can indeed. But I was like, yeah. People are going to take this the wrong way. <laughs> Talented tongue, as uh, as uh, Tori said. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's the kind of, does that, how long does that go through? Is that throughout the whole song? I think for almost the entire song, you're hearing the mouth noises. I mean, it could be so buried at the end that you... It is. But I mean, when I was going through the tracks, uh -huh. you're still hearing it well into the song okay. and we should i i want to point out there's like several layers of saxophone noises there's there's the just the breathing air through the mouthpiece mm -hmm. then later he's humming like a, a kazoo through the mouthpiece mm -hmm. and then we hear some drone notes i'm not sure if it's a mouthpiece yeah. or an actual and, sax and they all combine to to create like an insect type yeah drone a moaning almost like a hive Mm -hmm. Um, it's not really like an insect would sound, but everyone kind of insects come to mind, and that's a theme on the album, yeah. of course. I think it's kind of like a the Exorcist soundtrack, right? Didn't they use like the sound of like bees and stuff, and put that in the music oh, to like creep maybe. people out subliminally? Maybe Probably. I think I heard that. I think they talked about that in my film class, but I oh. honestly can't remember. 
if that's real or if I made that up. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes I think things are real and they're not. <laughs> you know, I made them up. It's called I don't Mandela know. effect. <laughs> it's also just called um, aging. Yeah, that's true. Um, so it's been like a zillion years since I took a film class. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it is something that causes uh, a little bit of... Um, I don't want to say it. it, it. Unease. Unease. This, exactly. Yeah, this whole thing. I tension. Think it, tension. Tension. Um, Keyword. Yeah, that's uh, tension. Yeah, there's a reason uh, Trent Reznor loves tension. And, you know, of course he called the tour the tension tour. Like, that's his whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it really is. So. But he wants us to. Get, we were just so comfortable. I, I got to stress this in a warm place. Yes. And now we have to get super, super uncomfortable. But it doesn't seem like it will be at first until those drums fucking hit. And they're like, and then you know, welcome to hell, baby. You're in for some shit because those drums are terrifying. (laughs) I don't know. I I mean, people have described them as brutal. They are just so. It's in it's in six Loud. four, so we're, yeah. it's not a regular four four. It uh, throws you off a little bit because it's in six. The the reverb on the drums is extreme. To me, it sounds like the, his method of taking huge drum hit sounds recorded somewhere in the Tate House, maybe in the most reverby room, mm-hmm. and then sampling, putting them into the sampler and making a beat. Yeah. looping that and this isn't this is a song where the the layers build and you can feel yeah. the tension building and building and building and building and yeah. some sometimes in, in some of his songs the layers are already present and hit you all at once and you have mm-hmm. to like try to discern between them but here you can hear it right so yeah it starts really small uh-huh. and it gets really and big. it gets bigger and bigger and, and I, bigger and and i feel like he's just so good at knowing how to build, like how to build that tension and yeah. knowing when to stop before you can't take it anymore. I think Closer is a, a great... A great example. Because Closer just starts simple and builds and, and adds and adds and adds. Well, and, this does too. Yeah. But this one is much more punishing because there's not like a... Like I feel like Closer has like that... We've talked about it before, like that that beat. And it's also more of a pop song. Yeah, it has, clo- a, yeah. has a normal pop song structure. Four, four. It's an entirely different song. Eraser is yes. like... Uh, yeah, it is punishing, like you said. Cl- the, all sexiness is gone, as we've <laughs> as we've noted. Um, but I I see I see Eraser as the as some sort of climax of the album, like the the climax. This is the darkest you can go. It's interesting how it after the instrumental a warm place. It kind of seems like we're going to have another instrumental song for mm-hmm. like the first three and a half minutes. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, but there are a few lyrics at the end, mm-hmm. which we'll get to, but it's just so dark and it's, it's the depths of despair to me. Yeah. And Reznor has even said that he has, uh, some discomfort about it. Um, I mean, he does say kill me eight times. <laughs> yeah. So. And that, yeah, that the lyrics are some of the darkest, uh, I mean, yeah. Can I say that I like Eraser Quiet though? That's a I don't even you know, I don't even remember Eraser Quiet. Is that oh, on okay. is that on further down? Mm-hmm. I believe so. Uh, but I think the first time I ever heard Eraser Quiet was actually on closure. Um I don't think uh, I had further down at that point yet. So I probably haven't heard it since I was a teenager, honestly. So mm-hmm. it'll be like almost like new to me, but I'm sure it's still in my brain somewhere. Um Oh, I, I I bet I know yeah. the one you're talking about. I always also wanted an eraser t shirt. <laughs> 
Yeah. Like an original lyrics. one. Um, but I did order a cool bootleg one from um, uh, Some Shirts Are Bigger. And uh, the, yeah. he makes some really cool Nine Inch Nails bootlegs. And so I finally did get my eraser tee. And it's a long sleeve and it's beautiful. But It is nice. But... Uh, I would still love to have like an original <laughs> razor tee from the 90s. Yeah. I just can't afford to pay like $500 or whatever people want for it on Depop, which is just ridiculous. So whatever. Yeah. But not only does he say, kill me a, a bunch mm -hmm. for the end of the song. Yeah. He said before that, he says, erase me, mm -hmm. which is almost worse sounding to me. Because you're completely gone. Like, yeah, you're not just being killed, you're being erased. Mm -hmm. And like, if you've ever been in the depths of despair, as many of us have, uh, you might know what he means when he says that, like, if in your darkest moment, I don't know, have you ever just been like, hey, erase me? It's just like this feeling of never having ever wanted to exist. Yes. So just erase me. If you could... Does that make sense? Scrub yourself out from existence. That yeah. would be better than having to go through the... That way That the, way, you never had this pain and no one around you ever had to watch you in that pain or um, uh, experience. Because, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, when someone is in that kind of uh, pain and the people around them know and worry about it, if you're a race, then that never happened and they never had to have that kind of worry and sadness about yeah. you. It's so dark, it's um, un uncomfortable to think about. Uh, should we just play it? Play it. Let's <laughs> go. So We've been recording dark. for almost three hours, so let's... Well, not that long. All right. Blowing that straw. I thought it all... The first time I ever heard it, I think I thought it sounded like switching through channel static, like TV static, okay. flipping through channels. Maybe. My ear was not very trained back in the day. I don't really hear that, but maybe. <laughs> okay, smart. I've out. always heard just like, it, to me, it sounded like someone just in a straw. Yeah. Yep. There they are. sax and drums <laughs> and until the synth bass comes right, in which is a really cool there. sound yeah yeah i've always liked this synth yeah doesn't doesn't get much more nine inch nail than that that synth bass. the guitar coming up is Love the guitar. Things. Yeah. It's just so dry at first. So you hear it in the left. And it's like, I'm just a little dry, quiet guitar. Who cares? I'm not even being played with that much attention paid to me. But then it grows into this huge, echoey thing. Another guitar on the right now. 
sounds like it's being put through ring mod. Really distorted. There's like a horror element almost. It's so dark. Do you get that at all? Maybe. Do we hear these four notes kind of in the background here? Ascending. Ixie pointed out that they're the same four as the, the frail or the fragile, which I, I never thought about, but that's kind of cool. super dramatic when we start adding synthesizer strings and stuff it's like it's getting very cinematic it got so quiet all reverb is gone scraping just instantly that wall that wall hits you those are the screams of agony from hell folks is just getting more and more distorted until it's nothing but noise. It rings out with those dramatic cinematic strings all right we're in the home stretch now mm-hmm. do you have some stems yeah i do all okay. right eraser sax noise from the beginning so this is i'm isolating it gives you a better idea of what's going on underneath the sax gets more intense as it goes which is really interesting or the mouthpiece noise i should say There's two different... Literally sounds like beginner yeah. uh, woodwind players. <laughs> right. I mean, you practice on the mouthpiece before you... Yep. Uh, there's a, one in the left and one in the right. It's just two trents going at it in our ears. Um, yeah, there are. Oh, geez. <laughs> so the clean guitar, just kind of by itself here. So you can hear the performance.
then when it when it gets bigger, that guitar in the center speaker, they put um, what I called reverb hell. extent of the reverb on that guitar is so huge that we don't even hear most of it but it's in there um then the second guitar that comes in kind of a, a almost a counter melody thing in the right that i believe is run through ring mod really rhythmic so bizarre but very cool I believe these are some uh, metal sounding guitars in the surround speakers. Oh wait, no, they're not. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> this is both of those two guitars um, together in the surround speakers. Oh, and this interesting chug-a-chug that builds up and up and up. kind of sliding up and down. And that build that uh, builds up into the part where it all goes quiet and then we hear the scrapes. And I'd like I'd like you all to guess where these come from. isolate them here in a second. I don't hear scraping. It almost sounds like a metal on metal, but... Why? What do you hear? I don't know. Ever since... I always just heard kind of like a a clanking, like a, a, a wrench trying to... I don't know. Yeah. It's it's mechanical. But there's also like a... um Metal tool. Yeah. I... We watched the ICSI breakdown of this earlier, and she said it almost sounds like hooves or yeah. um, combined I, with like another, like like you said, sleigh bells yeah, or something. Yeah, I could almost hear sleigh bells. Like there's a jingle quality to it. Mm-hmm. But she also said v, that VHS tape quality, which they, very good chance they were pulled from a VHS tape. Here we go. It's, it's low resolution, man, but it works. Whatever it is, it's cool. It's effective. That scraping, scraping in my head. Um, metal noise at the end. The scraping still going. Yep.
There's so much guitar chaos happening. kind of hear the kill me's in there and then this is where the kill me's intensify until they become pure noise almost horrifying the way <laughs> the way his voice is mangled by the end there yeah so yeah that's it so uh what i was thinking though and i don't know why i didn't have this thought before when you're talking about like what erase actually means to be erased but also mm-hmm. it kind of has the connotation that you're a mistake hmm. right yeah. i mean what do you do with mistakes <laughs> yeah eraser like it's called eraser what an eraser is for erasing mistakes yeah um um, okay, so I think we should maybe end on a... a An upbeat note. And maybe just a little bit of a lighthearted note, not really, but kind of. Um, we have a friend who does really cool reinterpretations of Nine Inch Nail songs using um, <laughs> toddler instruments <laughs> for their child. <laughs> yes. Um, so this is, this is our friend Joey's work. And if you want to listen, um, he's done interpretations of other uh, Nine Inch Nails songs, and you can find them all on YouTube. Okay, so um, in YouTube, it's under Trent N I N Fan Art. Okay, and that's Joey's account. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh my god. He has a little crayon drawing of the downward spiral <laughs> art. I love the art. <laughs> I think this is brilliant. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of amazing. He did a bunch of songs this way. Imagine playing a it, children's it, guitar. Yeah, it's either a kitty guitar or a ukulele. I love how he adds the reverb, too. (laughs) Crazy multi-talented guy. Yeah. I think... uh, Anyway, just go give him a follow or watch some of his stuff on YouTube. It's it's just... I think it's cool how he's taken these uh, little kid instruments and used them to interpret uh, Nine Inch Nails songs. Um, And he did such a great job, too. I honestly... I wish he could do the whole downward spiral and we could maybe crowdfund it somehow. I don't know. I think, uh, he needs to do a full <laughs> album. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to have Some of it. his have, have vocals on him, I believe. I want to know what the, what he's, what's this at the beginning where he imitates the, the, uh, breath noises. Is it just an eraser? Maybe. Yeah. It sounds like something I scraping. I think he's just erasing. That would be too genius. A, li- a literal <laughs> eraser. Joey is one of the funniest dudes. Yeah. So just a little bit of levity there before we... Yeah, I feel better. Let's yeah. go to sleep. <laughs> I'm going to sleep like a fucking baby. Um. Yeah. So I just think some of our, our friends... Are, we've met some really talented people. So just yep. want to give them shout, shout outs. We have. Um. So I guess we can just wrap this up. So what are we yeah. doing next time, Blake? 
Next time's the final side of downward spiral. Mm-hmm. Side four that begins with reptile, then the downward spiral title track, then hurt mm-hmm. to end it off. Yep. So three epic tracks. Um, and then we'll wrap things up for our next bonus episode. I don't know if we're gonna do quake or if I want to replace it with um like the controversial or if we should wait and do that after we finish the downward yeah. spiral. Maybe. I was kind of looking forward to do doing something about video games. Okay, okay. I'm in All right. charge. All right. Well, and we'll I get do to quake talk then about sure. my favorite topic, <laughs> video games. Yeah. Um, so, okay. We'll definitely do quake then. And that will give me more time to do research for my moral I've been panic. I've quake. You have been. Um, so... I guess it's just the normal wrap-up stuff. Um, you can follow us on our socials. Blake, where can they follow us? Instagram and Twitter are both at NailedPod. Um, go to NailedPod.com. That takes you to our link tree with everything there, including our Patreon, patreon.com slash NailedPod. It's now streamlined, an all-nailed Patreon, um, new and improved uh some three really cool levels you can sign up for um cool new benefits you get mm-hmm. new merch items where stuff is in the works uh you're gonna love this stuff we got some cool new stickers on the yeah. way what um, happens if we hit 100 patrons if we hit 100 patrons we're gonna do a 100 patron a special episode and we're going to invite that 100th person on to be a guest and we don't care who you are um i hope it's trent it could be a disaster maybe it'll be trent yeah maybe it'll be atticus and we'll be like maybe uh, maybe it'll be atticus's dad we don't maybe know Maybe it'll be atticus senior oh <laughs> uh, or atticus if you know Jr., you know the sequel uh, to atticus <laughs> um what do we what happens when we hit a thousand patrons when we hit a thousand we should have made this like 500 or something, but... Um, no, Jess- I think 1,000. <laughs> Jessica gets her first Nine Inch Nails tattoo. Mm-hmm. If we hit 5,000, <laughs> Blake gets a Nine Inch Nails tattoo. 5,000, I will tattoo whatever you want on me because I'll be a person who's making money. <laughs> and I will not be sad about anything. That's not true at all. Uh, more money, more problems. Nobody, That's what I've been told. Nobody who has money is sad. Maybe that's how it works. Uh, Speaking of sadness, don't be sad. Don't go listen to Trent and I and fan go, art. Go do a palate. Cr- <laughs> palate <laughs> cleanser. Go do a palate cleanser. D- don't hurt yourselves. Treat yourselves nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, good mental health. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, email us. Email, email us. Nailedpod at gmail.com. Email Most things are with, nailed pod. Yeah. Email us with any corrections, oversights. If you have uh, something for the nail bag. Clarifications. If you want to. Yeah, we'll have a nailed bag episode at the end of the downward spiral era. So that would be after closure, I believe. So yeah. if you want to share your downward spiral stories, if you want to share uh, your, your closer video stories, whatever, just make sure, let us know that it's safe to read on air. Uh, that way we're not doing anything we shouldn't do. Yep. Um, and don't forget to subscribe. Uh, subscribe. If you do, you'll get our bonus episode um, and you'll get an episode every, roughly every week rather than every other week, roughly. Um, and yeah, you'll get the, the Quake one and all the other ones. We have like 12 in the bank right now. Oh, I was just going to say subscribe to our actual normal podcast on your, your pod apps. Yeah, and, sorry. Uh, 
review us. We need we we love some reviews. Please rate and review it. It mm-hmm. helps us. It does. I think that's all I've yeah. got. We do have a special guest plan for a wrap up episode, and we'll talk more about it yep. on our final episode. Um, so we're pretty excited about that here mm-hmm. at the. We got a few really good guests coming up. A couple. Maybe more than a couple really good guests. Yeah, there's You're one I need like to them. reach out to who actually follows our account. Mm, so I need to yeah. just be brave and reach out to them. Yeah. Um. So. So thanks. Yeah. Thanks for being our friends. Yeah. Thank you for being a friend. <laughs> um. And yeah, we'll see you next time. That's it for nailed. Didn't that make you feel better?